Chapter Fifty Seven of the Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifty Seven, Hand and Foot. What did it mean? Why was there all this commotion in the house? And why did everybody leave her so severely alone? These were the questions that Princess Zara, otherwise Mrs. May, otherwise Mrs. Jasper Ravenspur, asked herself. And why had Marion not returned? Oh, it was bitter to lie there fettered hand and foot at the very moment when activity and cunning and action were most imperatively needed. And Tchigorsky was not dead. How she had been tricked and fooled! Fate had played against her. Who would have anticipated that Vosky would have come to Ravenspur and met his death there? By this time the sham Ben here had all necessary proofs in his hands. The door opened and a resolute-looking woman came in. Her garb was something of the hospital type, yet more severe and plainer. She came in and took her place with the air of one who watches a prisoner. "'I do not require your services,' the adventuress said coldly. "'It is immaterial, madam,' was the equally cold reply. "'I am sent here to do my duty whether you require my services or not.' "'Indeed? Am I to regard myself as a prisoner, then?' The other bowed. The bolt had fallen. There was nothing for it but to submit quietly. By this time Tchigorsky's proofs were in possession of the police. The prisoner smiled grimly as she thought how she could escape her foes yet. "'What is the confusion in the house?' she asked. "'What is your name?' "'My name is Simmons.' I was fetched here by the inspector of police. The bodies of two Asiatics have been found drowned in the vaults, and they are getting ready for the inquest tomorrow. Once again the defeated murderess smiled. Fate was all against her. Those men had come to do her bidding and had perished. Doubtless the note sent by Vera Ravenspur would be found on one of them and this would be no more than another link in the long chain. She tried to rise, but she could not. She lay on the bed fully dressed. Her brain was as quick and as clear as ever, but the paralysis in her lower limbs fettered her. A blind fury shook her for the moment. If she had only been free to move, she would have triumphed even yet. Tchigorsky might have been a clever man, but she would have shown him that he was no match for her. And now she had walked into the trap he had laid for her. Doubtless she had been watched into the castle. Doubtless the enemy had seen her lay those wires, and had arranged to give her a taste of that deadly stuff she had prepared for others. Then Marion had been spirited away and the key of the safe taken from her. Subsequently, Tchigorsky had ransacked the box. Oh, she saw it all. The family of Ravenspur saw it all by this time, too. 
she was no longer a guest in the house of Ravenspur, but a prisoner in charge of a female warder. In a day or two she would be cast into prison. In due course she would undergo her trial and finally be hanged by the neck until she were dead. It was this last thought that caused her to smile. She was too clever a woman not to accept the inevitable. A great many people in her position would have protested and lied and blustered. She saw the folly of it. "'I should like to see Mr. Ravenspur,' she said. "'Will you tell him so? You need not fear. I am helpless. I could not move.' Mrs. Simmons stepped into the corridor and gave the message to a passing servant. After a time, a slow step came shuffling along up the stairs. It was Ralph who presently came into the room. "'You can leave us for a little time,' he said. Simmons discreetly disappeared. She passed into the corridor. The woman in the bed opened her mouth to speak, but stopped in astonishment. Ralph's glasses were gone and the smooth ungents had disappeared from his face. Those cruel criss-cross lines stood out with startling distinctness. "'You wanted to see my father?' he said. "'My father declines to see you in any circumstances. Perhaps I shall do as well.' "'You, you are one of the men I saw at Lhasa.' The words came from the woman's lips with a gasp. She had never been so astonished in all her life. "'Yes, I was the other one,' Ralph said coolly. "'I had to disguise myself when I found out you were in England. There is no longer any need for disguise. I hope you are delighted to see me, my dear sister-in-law.' "'Oh, so you know that also.' "'You may take it for granted that I knew everything.' There was a long pause before the woman spoke again. "'I need not ask what opinion you have formed of me?' "'You are perhaps the most depraved wretch who ever drew the breath of life,' said Ralph, slowly and without emotion. "'To your ambition and what you call your religion, you are prepared to sacrifice everything.' You deliberately murdered the man who loved you. Your brother, Jasper, I admit it. Perhaps you will find it impossible to believe that I loved him. But I did with my whole heart and soul. I loved him, and I killed him. Does it not sound strange? But this is the fact. I had to do it. For the sake of my people and my religion, I had to do it. When I recovered those papers, I slew him as he knew I would. He was the only thing on earth that I had to care for. Oh, had you not a daughter? The woman made a gesture of contempt. A poor creature, she said, but I brought her up in the strong faith I follow, and so she has not been without her uses. Not that she knows anything of the holy temple and the ceremonial there. 
I never told her about the two men who escaped along the Black Valley. If I had, I should have known you to be a worthy antagonist, instead of a half-witted fool, and then you would never have brought me to this pass. Oh, if I had only told her that! There was a passionate ring in the woman's voice. It was the first time during the interview that she had displayed any humanity. "'You didn't, and there is an end of it,' Ralph said. "'Go on.' "'Is there any need to go on? I have failed, and there is an end to the matter. When my husband died, my feelings were turned to rage and hatred of you all. "'Why should you all live and prosper while he was dead?' said Mrs. May. "'With your money I could do anything among my own people.' I could found a new dynasty. Did I not possess the occult knowledge of the East, with a thorough knowledge of what you are pleased to call Western civilization? I could do it. A little longer, and your wealth would have come to my child. In other words, it would have come to me. Do you understand what I mean? Perfectly. I have understood for some time. Before I returned to England, I had an idea of what was at the bottom of the vendetta. But you would not have succeeded. Tchigorsky and myself made up our minds that if we could not bring the crimes home to you, we would shoot you. Ralph spoke with a grim coldness that was not without its effect upon the listener. Hard as she was, the sentiment was after her own heart. "'That would have been murder,' she said. "'Perhaps so. In the cold, prosaic eyes of the law, we might have been regarded as criminals of the type you mention. But we did not propose to pay any deference to the law. Nor would our deed have been discovered. You would simply have disappeared. We should have shot you and thrown your body into the sea.' and I don't fancy that the deed would have weighed very heavily on the conscience of either of us." The woman smiled. Nothing seemed to disturb her. She was full of passionate fury against the decrees of fate, but she did not show it. "'I suppose you planned everything out?' she asked. "'Everything. Tchigorsky and myself between us. It was Tchigorsky who rescued my nephew after your familiar in the blue dress and red hat had cut the mast and skulls. We guessed that the search for Geoffrey would empty the house and that you would take advantage of the fact. Geoffrey and I watched you laying those wires. It was I who saw that you had a taste of the poison. I wanted to lay you by the heels here while Tchigorsky overhauled your possessions. Your messenger was waylaid and robbed of your key. Also I opened the letter you sent by my niece so that your confederates might be summoned to your assistance." "'Marion has come back again?' "'Within the last hour, yes. You will see her presently.' The woman smiled curiously. "'Not tonight,' she said. 
"'Not to-night. I am tired and fancy I shall sleep well. I shall be glad of a long, long rest. Shall I see your father?' "'No,' Ralph said sternly. "'You certainly shall not.' "'Then good night. Do not be surprised if I beat you yet.' It was late, and the family were retiring. Marion had already gone. In the drawing-room a group had gathered round the fire. They were silent and sad, for they had heard many things that had moved them strangely. There was a knock at the door, and Simmons looked in. "'My prisoner is dead,' she said coldly and unmoved. "'I suppose she managed to secret some poison and take it. But she is dead.' "'It is well,' Ravenspur replied. "'It might have been worse. It was the best she could do to lift the shadows of disgrace from this unhappy house.'" End of chapter 57